You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut through the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Before we get into today's show, I want to say a special thank you to our show sponsor, Jane. Jane is an all-in-one practice management software that many nursepreneurs use to run their clinics, and they love it. Not only is Jane robust enough to handle day-to-day clinic needs, it's also truly, it's beautifully designed, which makes the software fun and simple to use. For example, when you log in, the first thing you see is your schedule nicely laid out. Jane makes it easy for you to color code your treatments so you can see at a glance what you have scheduled for that day. For example, maybe you have light purple as your IV hydration appointments or butter yellow could be for laser treatments if you're doing med spa. This customization also makes it easy to tell the difference between an online video consult from an in-person appointment. Jane's beautiful interface translates to your online booking site too, where you can customize it with your clinic logo and colors. This allows you to authentically showcase your branding and provides an elevated online booking experience for your clients too. If you want to learn more about how Jane can help you run your clinic, head to Jane app. The link is in the show notes. Now let's get on to today's show. Hi, it's Katie Harris. This is an episode of the Nursepreneur Podcast, and today we have Brad Bigford from Table Rock Mobile Medicine. Brad, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thanks a lot for having me. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So tell us about you as a nurse. What kind of nurse are you? Yeah, so I'm a nurse practitioner certified in family practice, and I've been a, uh, a nurse since 2006, where I got my associates, and then I worked as a nurse while getting my bachelor's. And then again, as a nurse while getting my master's, so. Awesome. Um, And what were kind of your aspirations for becoming a a nurse practitioner? What did you want to do? Well, I was actually wanting to be a firefighter, you know, back in the day. That's a weird route to go then. (laughs) I I know. So I wanted to be a firefighter like my dad, who was a Seattle firefighter. And it didn't work out for a couple of reasons, but I felt like uh, nursing and firefighters have a lot of the same core values. So you know, this was back in the early 2000s and a friend of mine, right after Meet the Parents came out, he said, oh, Brad, you should be a male nurse like Greg Fokker. And we all thought it was funny, but then it kind of just planted a seed, like maybe I should do this. And I was one of only a couple of guys in my nursing class back then and actually kind of was given a hard time. Um, but, you know, over the years, I decided that I wanted a little bit more responsibility, a little bit more autonomy. And so after being a, a nurse for I think it was like six or seven years, I decided to go back to get my MP. Okay. Um, and where are you located? In Boise, Idaho. Oh, Boise, Idaho. So you have independent practice there. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. You're so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So so how long were you a nurse practitioner or how long have you been a nurse practitioner? What year? Uh, seven years. Seven years. Okay. In 2013. Okay. And when did you start your business? in 2016, April of 2016. Okay, and what was kind of the um, impetus for that? Like, just wake up one day and say, I'm gonna start a business or or what happened there? Well, I always wanted, I kind of always had different ideas of being a business owner or actually an inventor. You know, I was always tinkering and coming up with different ideas. And then 
one day, this was like, I want to say like September, October of 2015, I actually joked with my family because as you know, you probably get this too, a lot of family and friends will ask you medical questions. And one Thanksgiving, they actually all came down for Thanksgiving and they wanted me to clean out all their ears, which is kind of gross. <laughs> but I joked that I was going to send them a bill for it. And I posted about it on Facebook and it like the post blew up and got crazy busy. And everyone was like, oh my God, you should start a little, you know, you know, house call practice where you can see like my kid with an ear infection or a rash or something. And I have a friend that does medical billing and I was asking him if it was legal to do it, like that we could bill for it. And he's like, actually CMS changed their laws recently and you can bill for it just like an office visit. And so after getting some lawyers and some paperwork together, I started the business, you know, with about $4,000. Okay, so I'm seeing a trend here. So every time somebody makes a joke, it changes your life. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, that's actually, I haven't thought about that, but yeah. <laughs> um, okay, that's funny. Um, no, I, I love that. So that it all came from um, this family party and you discovered that you could do the medical building, the billing. And I think that's, uh, you know, one of the, the impetuses for me for this podcast was to share these stories with people. Because when I first started my business, I was just like, I don't know what I can do. There's no nurses out there. And I think having, um, seeing other people do what it is that you want to do is, is really powerful. And it sounds like if you had seen somebody start their own clinic, you might have come up with that on your you know, that might've come up a different way, but. Um, yeah, it wasn't something that, you know, it wasn't something that I had an aspiration to do. It was just something that I was like, oh my God, why couldn't I do this? You know, why isn't anyone else doing this? And I didn't look up to see how to do it. I just started kind of fumbling my way through it. I think, and, you know, over the years, it's kind of morphed from what the original concept was to now. Right. And why wasn't anybody else doing that? Well, there was like some, you know, just a handful of physicians in my area that had tried it over the years and they tried doing a combination of like a concierge practice, which is different from house calls. Concierge is like, they don't take insurance. They charge premiums. They kind of do, they kind of tailor to more wealthy individuals. And in our area, there's not like, we don't have a huge population base anyways. We have like, you know, a quarter of a million people around here. And then to take just a small subset of people. I don't think that they were making what they were expecting to make as a physician in family practice. And so when I started it, my goal was to just increase people's access to healthcare. That could be a little kid who's afraid to go into a pediatrician's office. That could be a mom that's got, you know, she's juggling, you know, five different things and loading up the whole family just to go into a clinic, you know, it doesn't seem very fun or someone that's got a disability or someone who's elderly or someone that doesn't have a lot of income. So we offer like 50% discount off of our total bill if they're self-pay. So we were trying to come up with all these ways to increase people's access to healthcare. And I think that's been kind of the appeal here that I'm not just focusing on one small group. I'm trying to find everyone and trying to come to them where they're at, either in, if it's a house or an apartment or their office, cause they work you know 80 hours a week or maybe they're homeless and I meet him at a park. You know, I see I see all, all types of individuals. Oh, I'm, wow. I'm in my office right now. And so I actually have a little clinic that we pay for. It's just one room. And this is for people that don't live in our area, are homeless, or don't feel comfortable for us going into their home. Um, so how do you support um, like the homeless population? Because I, I mean, I'm guessing they're not paying you for services, right? 
Yeah, so they, we have a few different clinics in town that actually support them pretty well. They're actually kind of stationed near the shelters and they have a, a lot of grants that can see them at no cost or significantly reduced cost. So our way of supporting that population, um, we'll see them, but I, I can't operate as a free clinic like some can because I'm not getting any type of government assistance. So the best way I can is just offer a huge discount off of the total bill. So if they still can't afford me, then I try to actually steer them to some of those government assisted clinics that have huge grants. And um, are the grants something that are accessible to small businesses or, or not really? Uh, not, not my type of business. I think you have to be a nonprofit and okay. we're a for-profit for -profit clinic. Okay, um, so what was the original concept of this business and what did it morph into? So it was actually just to see kids and adults for just, a, it was just like three or four things. It was like strep throat, ear infections, ear cleanings. And I think we were gonna do like hangovers, like for <laughs> IV fluids. Cause a lot of my friends, you know, when we're in nursing school, they, they uh, get a bag of saline and they have a hangover, they give it to themselves. So it was just gonna be those four things. And then it just kept growing cause we would get calls for things like a laceration or ingrown toenails or, you know, freezing off a wart, you know, just, just simple things that doesn't require a lot of resources. And so over the, you know, the time of when we started the business to actually going live, it just kept growing and growing and my supply list kept growing. And so, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and how did, uh, how did things change for you with COVID? Did that it, it, it improved because nobody wanted to come into the hospital or, or an urgent care clinic? Yeah, it's been really strange. So back in March, we got super bombarded by requests just because we didn't have a lot of COVID cases around here, but there was just so much fear that no one wanted to go into a clinic for any reason, like chest pain, you know, <laughs> you can't breathe. They didn't want to go into the ER. So we started getting a lot of calls for things that we typically wouldn't see. And then, you know, back in, I want to say it was around May or June, our numbers tanked. Like no one called us. We were just sitting around. And I think it was because everyone was actually doing a really good job of staying home and they weren't going out, getting injured like you would for, you know, urgent care in the spring and summer is all about like outdoor injuries and getting into poison ivy and things. And none of that was happening. And then people also weren't getting their, you know, your yearly colds and things that they call us for when they're concerned so everyone everyone was staying home and then july hit and around here it got nuts once july hit we were like off and running and we haven't looked back since so we <laughs> see a lot of people for you know even with covid we'll see them in their homes or if they're symptomatic we can test them but because we're in urgent care we're not just a you know drive-up test site so we're we're assessing people and i've even seen people that have pneumonia and got like a bedside x-ray company to go into the person's house to get them a, a chest x-ray and oh, keep wow. them out of the hospital. That's kind of the, kind of the goal here right now. Right. Um, yeah, so how do they, I mean, I, I'm assuming there's urgent care centers around you. Do they, do you interact with them or are they kind of like, we don't like you or <laughs> how oh, does that work? I am, I am so, you know, we have five NPs in our practice now. We've expanded. We, we um, added three NPs this year, one full-timer and two PRN kind of moonlighters. So we're up to five now, but we are so small compared to some of these clinics around here. Like there, there's 
one business around here that has like 20 different clinics in our valley. So they're huge. So we're not even like a fly on their windshield. Like they don't even, we, they don't even notice us. So they, they could care less. Um, so we don't really interact with them, except we interact with, we have two large hospital systems around here. So we actually get quite a few referrals from them if they're having someone who's got either COVID symptoms or they are maybe high risk, like someone who's like pregnant and needs IV fluids, we'll actually get referrals from certain clinics in those large health systems to go see them. Oh, wow. Um, and I, you know, I can see from your IV hydration section, I mean, you do things that most people don't go near like the pregnancy induced vomiting and, and right. that kind of stuff. Um, what kind of like, I guess, liability do you see in doing this type of, of practice um, and how do you kind of hedge it? Yeah, so we say we do minor urgent care. So if you see on my website, it'll say, don't call us if you're having chest pain, you know, <laughs> the, the worst headache of your life, you can't breathe, you know, if your bone's sticking out because, you know, people I think are pretty reasonable of what we can truly do in the home. So if someone needs like stat lab work, well, there's no way for me to do that in a house call. I can do blood work, but it's you know gonna be routine stuff. So when someone has like a history of congestive heart failure and they're, you know, it's usually their daughter calls me and says, hey, my mom or dad is dehydrated and they're 80 years old and has congestive heart failure. They're probably not a good candidate to get that kind of service in the home because you can easily fluid overload them and put them into the hospital. So we try to do a lot of screening beforehand. When someone books on our website, I get you know a notification, I review it, it says like indications or reasons for the visit. I kind of go through it and look over their health history and screen them that way. And I sometimes will call someone and say, hey, I think you'd be a lot better off if you went into either a traditional clinic that's maybe with the health system or going into the emergency room. Have you gotten into to trouble with that where people kind of minimize their symptoms and then you come and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> oh yeah, it probably happens once a week. You know, oh. someone will call me and they just will say like a complaint will be like fatigue, which is so vague. And then you get there and their heart rate's like 180 and they're in a, <laughs> you know, new, new onset AFib. And you're like, okay, bye. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'll call you an ambulance if you want. Uh, what do you do? Do you uh, charge those patients? I mean, I guess... It's kind of varies. If I get there, like I had one lady that she was relatively young and healthy, but she had been putting off uh, calling anyone or going anywhere because she didn't have the funds. And her mom said that because she got so sick, her mom said she would pay for the visit. So she called me in there. She's like, oh, I think I have a UTI. Well, she actually met sepsis criteria. Her oh blood pressure God. was in the toilet. Her heart rate was like 150 with a fever, you know, severe back pain. She couldn't even move. And I said, you know what? I want you to go to the hospital. You're going to be admitted. I can almost guarantee you that. And she was, but the mom tried to pay me for it. And I was like, you know what? We'll, yeah. just, we'll just call this one even. So, <laughs> well, good Samaritan. <laughs> yeah. But there's other times, you know, someone, I sit there for 30 minutes and assess them. And I'm like, hey, I think this is what's going on. I think you might have a MI or, a, you know, a PE or something. And you need to go to the hospital. And because I spent so much time with them and kind of working them up, that I still do charge them. Yeah, and that's I think that's totally fair. Um, so, and it looks like so you take insurance and you also take cash pay. So you have a, a double right. system here. Um, 
how was it getting credentialed with all these insurances? A couple of them were great. Like our state Medicaid was awesome. It was. I've never heard anybody say that before. <laughs> it, it was awesome. It was so quick and easy. And, but the thing with them is they're, they don't pay very much. So while they're easy to work with their, their payout is like our cash pay discount. It's like 50% off. Um, but other companies like some of our major private insurance companies were awful to work with. And it took us months and months because they didn't like the concept of a house call. They, they wanted us to be a traditional clinic. And they said, well, because the person is not homebound, they don't meet criteria that needs a house call. Even though CMS says you don't have to be homebound anymore to get a house call. You just change the place of service from an office to a home and bill it the same. Um, Cause it's actually like a 99203 is an outpatient mm -hmm. code. It's not, a, it's not an office code. And so after going back and forth with legal and things, they wanted us to bill it as this house call code, which is like a 99342. And so that's how we do it now. We came to kind of a mutual understanding with some of the large private insurances. Well, didn't that didn't change with COVID? Because now, now I feel like everybody wants to be at, at home. And <laughs> Right. Uh, it didn't really change for us, at least. I know it changed a lot of like the telehealth stuff, but we don't really get into that. Okay. But, um, but that's around here, at least, that's where the majority of the changes have happened. Yeah, you know, I feel like that's the kind of crap that insurance companies play that dictates like how medicine is run. Like there is, it kind of takes out that entrepreneurial um, drive to change things because they're so big and they can dictate the terms like that. Um, and you could have just been like, oh, well, this isn't gonna work out and then kind of folded everything, but. Yeah, and I was lucky to have a great, you know, medical biller who's a friend of mine and kind of loves playing those, you know, those cat and mouse games with them. <laughs> and he, uh, he's a, a great guy and he was, he's more important for the starting of this business than I was. Yeah. I mean, because really it, when you first said, you said that, you know, not nobody else was really doing this and this is probably a big portion of it oh, because yeah. fighting with the insurance companies is, is painful. Yeah. And if you don't know what you're doing, like I don't, you know, you can make things worse or you just, you can't get past the front door. Right. Right. Um, so you, you hired your nurse practitioners just this year, or have you been a one man team all this time or, and your biller? Yeah. So it was me and my biller, you know, I pay him. He's, he started his own company. So I just pay, you know, his company. Um, and then Jocelyn, she started with us in April of 2019. So then she was almost a full year and we kept growing. So then I hired uh, the other full-time person that ex actually expanded our service area. She lives in a town that we didn't go to yet. That's why we've kind of brought her on. And then the two PRN Moonlighters, they, they all started at the same time in September. So you say Moonlight, I always think of like 24-7. Do, do you, are you 24-7? Oh, no. I, when I say Moonlight, I mean like after hours, like evening times. So like they have their own full-time jobs and then they just do this PRN for some extra income and it's a little bit different. Oh, very nice. Um, what is kind of your vision for this or, or do you have a vision? Um, do you see this keep it keep growing in Idaho? And I, you know, I excuse my ignorance of the geography of, of Idaho, but can you expand into other states? Um, are you looking to do that? Yeah, Boise is near kind of the Oregon border, but um, it's 
we're one of the most isolated metropolitan cities in the United States. Like the next major city from us is like four to five hours away. Oh, So I don't really plan on expanding outside of Idaho in the near future. I think right now we're going to just maintain and kind of build our base, you know, support the employees that we have now. We'll probably add on some support personnel this year, maybe a, an MA or a phlebotomist so we can do some more lab work. And then if we are going to grow, we'll probably grow within the state of Idaho, you know, maybe to another kind of similar size city, either in North Idaho or in Eastern Idaho. Idaho is kind of shaped like an L if you don't know. Um, so we'll probably do that. And then, you know, I've had people ask me from other states that are NPs from like Washington. And we had a guy fly out from Indiana to kind of shadow. And I don't, I don't have the desire to be like this nationwide brand, but I, I do have a desire to see a lot of other NPs have a similar business in their local markets. And it's a way for someone that doesn't have a lot of, you know, startup capital to create a small business, have some ownership in it and, and grow it. So you don't need a hundred thousand dollars startup cost. You don't need to, you know, build a building. And it's just, I think it's just a great way to start a small company and you might not make a million dollars a year doing this, but that's also not the goal for me. You know, I just want to have a sustainable business, make a little bit of money. That's, you know, a livable wage and have a good quality of life. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And, you know, cause I, I feel like, especially in the entrepreneurial world, there's like this pressure to, you know, want more and more and more. And it's just kind of like, well, you know, if you're happy where you are, what's, you know, why, <laughs> why keep pushing? Because right. as your team gets bigger and you get all these more responsibilities and more money comes in, you know, it's so cliche to say, but you, you really do have more problems and the problems keep you up at night and they're, they're stressful. And it's, it's just kind of like, oh God, this is not what I wanted. Um, I'm not speaking while well, I am speaking from personal experience, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it happens and it's, um, yeah, it's a big deal. So knowing what you want, I think is a huge part of this for sure. Yeah, and we get a lot of requests from patients that aren't in our service area. They keep asking for more. Like, when are you coming to my city? And it's <laughs> like, they're like on the border of my service area. So it's like, it's like the service area creep, you know? So there's a desire out there for people and they're kind of pulling me. They're like, come on, just come to my city next, come to my city next. And so there's always this pushback that I have to do about growing too much too fast because then I have to actually support these people, these employees and their full-time wages. But if we don't have the, the volume to support it, then the business can quickly go under. So I think there's a pushback from me and my biller to say, okay, we're, we're going to slow down. That's why I say we're going to kind of maintain this year because we just expanded pretty big. And now we got to, now we got to, you know, fill those slots. Right. Now, you know, I would say, so I understand that Boise has like, it's supposed to be like the millionaire's paradise outside of LA or the new LA or, you know, something along those lines. Um, is that true? Like, is that? Yeah, we get a lot of people from California, you know, they sell their home in California and they come up here and they, you know, buy a cheap house and, and they live pretty well. And the, you know, cost of living here is pretty cheap and the quality of life here is really high. And, so there's, there is certainly that. Yeah. Cause um, I was just thinking there, you know, there probably is room, especially now in your business that it's, um, you know, established the way that it is for premium services to that kind of market. That's yeah. Yeah. There is, there is room for that, but then it goes against my, oh. you know, my, my mission. 
So I don't want to have like two tiers of healthcare in my company. I want to provide everyone the same kind of high quality care. So if I give my number out to, you know, a rich person who pays me on the side and then, you know, a mom with a kid with an ear infection can't get in because someone else is paying more, that, that goes against what I'm, what I'm trying to do. So. Oh, I love that. Um, so you're living by your ideals and your vision and what you want. And I think that is, that is awesome. That's why, you know, the entrepreneurial route, I think is, is great because you, you define the terms. So, all right. Awesome. So if people want to find out more about you, find out about your business, get in touch with you, where do they go? I would say start with my my website, tablerockmobilemedicine.com, table like as in your kitchen table, which is, it's actually a, like a little place in Boise that's a, I wanted to, to name it after after that, just to show that we're local. Um, they can also go to my Facebook page, which is table, or facebook.com slash tablerockmobilemedicine. Uh, we talk on there a lot about evidence-based treatments. Um, we promote science and vaccines on there. So I get a lot of hate, but I also get a lot of uh, people that like it. And then people, if they have specific questions, feel free to DM me on my Facebook page. I'm, I'm always the one that kind of checks those. Or you can email me at brad at tablerockmobilemedicine.com. They can call me or text me, my cell phone number. I give it out to every single person. It's not you know, a secret. It's 208-991-3232. And if people have specific questions, I'm always happy to ask, uh, answer them. But I get a lot of like, they'll send me one question and then they'll send me another question. And so just group your questions together if you got them and I'll, I'll answer them as I get to them. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brad. Thanks a lot.